If I'm going to invest my money, I want to be paid on a monthly, quarterly, or yearly basis. So I started that years ago, and I've just stuck with it through thick and thin. And uh, every year, you earn a little bit more. It grows a little bit more. And here we are today talking. Uh, for me, I have high school education, never really went to college. Uh, I was the type of individual that got the street education. Uh, if I wanted to know something, I went out and I studied for it, looked for it. I remember going to college to take one course and one course only. I went into the dean's office and the dean says, you can't take this course. And I said, well, why not? And he says, well, you don't got the prerequisites. I says, I really don't care. And uh, he says, well, you won't get a grade. I says, well, I really don't care. He says, but you got to pay for it too. And I says, I don't care. I'll pay for it. Let me take the course. And all I want from the course is maybe about the middle of the book is all I'm interested in. This is not hard in this country. I came to the conclusion to really get ahead. You just had to have the desire and be disciplined enough in order to do it. I mean, compound interest, things like that. Um, very simple concepts, but most people just don't do it. And uh, that's how I got ahead. That's, there is this opportunity out there in this great country of ours to, to excel and do better than you ever thought. I never thought I'd be where I'm at right now, but it was just working a simple plan, putting money aside, letting it grow, letting it compound. And here we are talking to you today. Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 333. Stace, how's it going? You know, I'm actually feeling pretty good tonight, despite my voice sounding <laughs> like a 12-year-old boy. Because I made dinner tonight that you were really excited about, and it's been a minute. Pregnancy does something to uh, to the kitchen, and that is that nothing sounds good or tastes good. <laughs> but I had it in me tonight. And also, more importantly, a big happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends this week that just started a couple days couple days ago. Yeah, getting right in the thick of the holiday season, starting off with that. And uh, obviously, for for uh, for many of us, we have Christmas coming up. Excited for that. And then right into the New Year's. So going to be a great few weeks here. Before we jump into everything, a little housekeeping. If you'd like to be on the show, send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't left us a rating or review, please do so. Helps us continue to grow the show and reach new listeners. If you've ever received value from this show, we'd appreciate you if you'd leave a review. So today on the episode, we have a really, really, really cool guest. In fact, when I was re-listening to this show, I realized, man, I could have just given the guy the mic the whole time and probably, I mean, we did ask a few questions, but man, just so many value knowledgeable bombs that he dropped and uh yeah really good guess i think you all are really 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 gonna uh enjoy this one for sure yeah it should be a great episode and also he comes from the demographic that many of you have asked for which is someone who's a little bit older and has had uh, a lot of experience to share 
Yeah, so today we got Mike. He's 71 years old in his early 70s, and uh, his net worth is estimated around $16.9 million. He's a former business owner, entrepreneur, college dropout, and uh, yeah, got a great story. Done a lot of different things over the years. Most of his money right now is in the market, but a good chunk of it for the longest time in his life had been in equity in these businesses. And then obviously he's got a primary residence and uh, he recently bought a lake place. So going to be a great episode with him. Cannot wait for y'all to, uh, uh, to, to, to hear this one. We are going to try to get a sequel with him as, uh, as I was listening to it over again and I mentioned it to him. I think we'll uh, figure we spent a lot of time on him and really his story and didn't get a lot into his businesses, which Many of you have reached out that you really enjoy and like. So try to do a follow-up episode with him and probably drop it on one of the Thursday days. Without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Mike. Mike, do you want to just give us a little bit of your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, I'm a 71-year-old retired individual living in the Midwest. And uh, basically, I'm kind of enjoying life. I worked all my life uh, in uh, businesses that I've owned personally. Uh, one was I owned for 40 some years and the other one probably for 20 some years. Uh, two daughters retired, um, enjoying the grandkids and, uh, you know, basically, uh, just, uh, living life the way I would have liked to have done it when I was 20 years old. Unfortunately, you got to get to that point. It, it isn't handed to you, I guess. <laughs> no kidding. I, I can't wait to get into the, the businesses and the stories here because, you know, you and I are in, and Stacey were chatting a little bit before, and it's pretty remarkable where you've come from. But before we do, what's your net worth today? Well, I'm going to guess probably about $16.9 million. Wow. Uh, and how is that broken up? Well, we have a note which is due, which is probably about $2.5 million of it. Uh, the rest of it is diversified between HSAs, regular brokerage accounts, traditional IRAs. Uh, generally, that is pretty much where it's all held. Probably 80% of my assets are in the stock market. And I know that's contrary to what I hear most people on your show uh, uh, professing. They, they People like real estate, and there's nothing wrong with real estate. I was just um, scarred with real estate, let's put it that way, when I first got into it. I was probably too naive to uh, understand how you rent them, how you maintain them, all that type of stuff. So I figured, you know what? Stock market's the place for me. And that's what I've done probably for, seriously, probably for about the last 20 years, at least. Yeah. And the money that you do have invested in the stock market, is that in index funds and individual stocks, mutual funds? How's how's that divided up? Well, I have probably out of... All the 80% we talked about, uh, there's probably only four open-end mutual funds. Everything else is ETFs, individual companies, you know, like the Home Depots, the Apples, Googles, uh, energy companies, stuff like that. So I'm pretty well, I probably have about 190 positions of the 190 positions. Probably 40 of them are truly like closed-end funds, which are tax-free income paid on a monthly basis. Uh, then you got the traditional companies that pay quarterly dividends. 
I guess you could say I'm a dividend growth investor at the end of the day. If it if I'm going to invest my money, I want to be paid on a monthly, quarterly, or yearly basis. So I started that years ago, and I've just stuck with it through thick and thin. And uh, every year, you earn a little bit more. It grows a little bit more. And here we are today talking. Wow. So the money that you have in the brokerage accounts, rewind. I mean, obviously, we'll get into to the businesses a little bit. But did you start putting money into those? when you were, you know, say in your 20s and 30s and 40s? When I was in my 20s, 30s and 40s, I was just trying to survive and figure out what did I really want to do in life? I I got it, you know, by and large, I've probably only worked for somebody maybe two years out of my entire life. And those two years were <laughs> very interesting. I had one job where they wrapped me up in a uh, coveralls, put duct tape around my wrists, my ankles, some young punk 21-year-old kid I was, put a hat on me, goggles on me, wrapped my neck with duct tape, and put me under these cars to spray black tar on the bottom of cars. And when you come out of there at the nighttime, you started to realize real quick you had to do something with your life. <laughs> okay? I was not going to do this the rest of my life. It was a great incentive uh, for me to really start searching for the thing, the one thing. I think everybody's got a one thing in life that they have a passion about, um, especially as you get a little bit older and you start maybe changing jobs and looking for different opportunities. You finally find it. You drill down on it and you try to do the best you can with it. Uh, for me, I have high school education, never really went to college. Uh, I was the type of individual that got the street education. Uh, if I wanted to know something, I went out and I studied for it, looked for it. I remember going to college to take one course and one course only. I went into the dean's office and the dean says, you can't take this course. And I said, well, why not? And he says, well, you don't got the prerequisites. I says, I really don't care. And uh, he says, well, you won't get a grade. I says, well, I really don't care. He says, but you got to pay for it too. And I says, I don't care. I'll pay for it. Let me take the course. And all I want from the course is maybe about the middle of the book is all I'm interested in. And he looked at me like I was some from a different planet and said, take the course. And I did a lot of that type of stuff. If I wanted to know something about stock market, I got licensed to sell stocks. Not that I ever did anything with it, but it was the education I got going directly to it. If I wanted to know about insurance. I was an insurance agent for maybe a month after I took the test, and then I wasn't too much interested in it. If I, I mean, I went on and on and on with this type of stuff. Everything I wanted to learn, I didn't have YouTube back then. I couldn't go on and say, let me see. How do I become a financial advisor on YouTube? Like you probably could learn today. But everything was like, you know, you had to go out and find that information in a different manner than we do today. And, you know, I give, I, I listen to a lot of the shows that you have produced with people and they need to pat themselves on the back because, you know, they've done more than probably what 90% of the people in this country have done. They've really stepped up to the plate and really uh, were able to, who was, who was the doctor the other day? Uh, uh, gastro. Dr. Latifat, right? 
Okay. Yep. She, she said six years ago, I didn't know anything about finances, but she recognized that she needed to know something. And she dug in, figured it out. And it's people like that that make a difference in this world, uh, understanding that, you know, I can't just sit around on my duff all day long. I got to figure it out. And once I figure it out, it, it's there for everybody to understand and learn. You know, I, this is not hard in this country. I came to the conclusion to really get ahead. You just had to have the desire and be disciplined enough in order to do it. I mean, compound interest, things like that. Um, very simple concepts, but most people just don't do it. And uh, that's how I got ahead. That's, uh, if I could tell you a quick little story, my two daughters, I took my one daughter after she got out of college and she said, you know, I, I managed her money. She didn't have much money, but I, I came to her one day. I was ecstatic. And I says, let me show you something. You earn $58 and you're going to earn $58 in this account every month from here on in. And she says, dad, what am I going to do with 58 bucks? I says, you're missing the point. $58 is something that you don't have to trade your time for any longer to produce a thing called money. And I says, would it be any different if it was $5,800 or $58,000? And she says, oh, yeah, it would be. Then that's what you got to understand. And this, this country gives us an opportunity to uh, do things nobody else, and I think in the rest of the world, has an opportunity to do. So I'm kind of like, if I want it, I'm always mining for information. I'm looking for things to do. Uh, even right now, I would love to have a side hustle, but I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> and the, that maybe I'll do what you do. Who knows? But uh, quite frankly, yeah, you know, you just got to have the desire. And I think everybody, they don't have to live in debt. They could basically just, you know, step up to the plate and know simple things. The world's not going to hand it to you just standing there waiting for it or have it fall on your head. I don't know. I, I enjoy your 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 clients, the people that have talked to you, and I that's. That's been a big joy to me, just looking for that little information from people, what they did or what they didn't do. So, you know, here we are today. Yeah. No, I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. It's interesting to hear somebody who's worth, you know, you're a decamillionaire. You're in, you know, I don't even know what class that is now, but top 1% of 1% probably. And here you are looking for a side hustle. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? The one thing about being retired, uh, it's it's really not cracked up to be everything people think. You know, if you had $100 million to go out there and do anything you wanted to do, before long, you're going to get bored. You really will. I had a friend one time who basically took his company public, made $50 million, and he said to me, he says, you know, I thought that once I became rich, had everything in the world, I would fly around. I would basically, you know, go places, do this and do that. And now here I am. Don't feel like it. I got all this money. I just don't feel like it. Okay. So I remember him saying that. And I can understand what he's talking about today because, you know what? It's just difficult out there to do everything you think you always wanted to do. I mean, traveling here, going there, it's a lot of work, at least for me. I mean, some people would probably eat it up. To me, 
I just don't like the crowds. I don't like all the people who uh, I got to go through to get on the airline and everything else. It's tough. It's hard. So I'm just kind of like, I'm happy in my little sphere. Let's put it that way. And hopefully one day after another, you know, we're able to, uh, you know, make a buck and enjoy our families. Yeah, for sure. So over over time, you mentioned real estate really wasn't kind of part of the picture. Did you buy a primary residence along the way? Yes, I, right away, you said? Uh, just along the way. Like if you had oh, primary yeah. residence from the beginning, and is that something that's been part of your kind of portfolio? Did you pay it off early, et cetera? Yeah, I have a, a primary. Well, we just built a brand new house about two and a half years ago. And uh, I do have a mortgage on it. And the mortgage is... I, I, took a mortgage out because of about two and a half percent, two and three quarter percent interest. I almost felt ins- I would be insulting somebody if I didn't borrow some money. I mean, rates were so low. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> rates were so low that y- you had to do it and then re- invest the rest, even if it's in treasuries. I mean, ugh. I never did that before, but I did it this time. And we just recently built a house up uh, on a lake. So those are that's all my real estate I own basically right now. So is it one house or you got the lake house and a primary? Uh, lake house and a primary. Nice, good for you. Good yeah. for you. Today's episode is supported by Masterclass. Masterclass makes a meaningful gift this season for you and anyone on your list because both of you can learn from the best to become your best, from leadership to effective commu- communication to cooking. Whether you're watching Masterclass on TV, listening in audio mode, in the app, or on their site, the quality speaks for itself. It's like Masterclass instructors are your own personal mentors that are going to help you to reach the next level. How much would would it cost to take one-on-one classes from the world's best? Easily hundreds to thousands of dollars. With Masterclass annual memberships, it's $10 a month. Memberships start at $120 per year for unlimited access to one-on-one classes with all 180 plus Masterclass instructors. Learn how to negotiate a raise with Chris Voss or manage your relationships with Esther Perret. I'm a huge fan of Masterclass. In fact, I've taken several classes myself and continue to do so. Masterclass has been instrumental in helping me in so many aspects of my life. It's awesome. By supporting our sponsors, you are supporting the show. Visit masterclass.com slash unveiled and get one free annual membership when you give one free annual membership this holiday season. Once again, that's masterclass.com slash unveiled. Thanks again to Masterclass for supporting today's episode. So in terms of in terms of the investments, at what point when you were putting money into into these brokerage and retirement accounts, I mean, how did you decide that I was gonna you were gonna get this 190 position portfolio? Or did that just get built over time? It slowly built over time. I basically was always looking for companies that paid dividends especially growing dividends. So that if I could use an example like Home Depot, when I bought Home Depot, it was paying like a 50 or 60 cent per share dividend. Now it's like $2.60 dividend. Now what that does for you, it gives you a hedge on inflation. It gives you uh, the opportunity to have a ever increasing amount of cash flow over time. And there comes a point where like a lot of your guests speak to is the income, passive income, exceeds their living expenses. And then all of a sudden you make a decision. You want to go on with your employer? You want to keep working? Do you want to retire or what? For me, 
it just was a natural process to keep going and going and going. And I think that's how I got all these stocks, even though they've worked well for me. I mean, even if they're static and don't do anything, they're still paying you. I mean, when I went through 2000, um, geez, I went through 2000, I went through 2008, I went through 2020 with COVID. Going through last, uh, 2022 was an ugly year too in the stock market. And uh, they almost come back. So I guess I got this deep faith in, the fa- in this country that, you know, if businesses don't survive, it really doesn't matter. None of us are going to survive. It's going to be a mess. So over the time, just kept adding, kept collecting, if you want to call it that. I hate to use that word. There needs to be a purpose for what you do. But in my mind, I basically, if I have to pay utilities at my homes, I basically buy utility companies. I need gas for my car. I buy Exxon, Chevron, stuff like that. If, <laughs> you know, so there's a method to my madness and all this stuff so that somebody else is paying my bills. So it's accumulated where I've got a, a very good yearly cash flow. And now I'm investing in assets, which you, you're a CPA, right? As a CPA, you know that when you invest wealth, you can invest it where you want. You don't have to lock it into a 401k. You don't have to lock it into uh, government-type programs where they control you and you don't control them. And uh, like I said, 80% of everything is in non-qualified investments. So, you know, yeah, you're probably thinking about taxes and things like that. But by and large, if, you know, I don't pay that much in taxes, to be honest about it. That's the one thing people don't realize that over time... You're a partner with the government, and as a partner, they're going to want their piece of the action, and that's called ordinary income tax when you finally take it out. So to me, it's worked out well, so I'm I'm not complaining. I think anybody could do it. Anybody could open a brokerage account and start. I don't care if it's 50 bucks a month. You got to start. That's the key to this thing. That's my story. I like that. That's actually a really practical approach to choosing stocks. That's something that I feel like we haven't we haven't heard much of. So do you use a financial advisor or are you doing this all on your own? On my own. Yeah. Wow. So tell us a little bit more about starting your businesses. You were underneath that car. You've got this black tar situation. You think this is not for me. You came out with a high school education. How did you springboard from there to these really successful companies that you started? Well, at first, they weren't really successful companies. They were a um, kind of an opportunity that presented itself. Not that I wanted to go into the heating, air conditioning, plumbing business, but at that point in time, there was many people who were willing to fund you to do it, where I had no money. I was 20-some years old. And uh, people who had done the same thing were willing to say, look, I started in the backseat of my car. I'm willing to give you a shot. What do you need? I says, well, I need a year to pay you back. (laughs) Okay. And uh, they were willing to do it. It was kind of an amazing thing. You don't know unless you ask. You find out that people who are very successful want to help you. Contrary to what people think. They want to share their experiences. They want to share their success. You know, a lot of times we're kind of intimidated and asking people for help. But I would suggest people, if you need help, ask for help. You'd be surprised. So I got into this business and, you know, I didn't have the inventory, the first one, the heating, air conditioning, plumbing business. And uh, we actually put fake walls across the back of the room, the building, because with empty boxes, 
make it look like you had something, even though you had nothing. And this is just the process of trying to do something. I had nothing to lose, everything to gain. I mean, I didn't have anything to take. You want to sue me? Good. What are you going to do, throw me in jail? But, um, you know, as time went by, you know, you kept throwing everything in, everything in, everything in. And it did slowly grow. And pretty soon you had more employees. And pretty soon you had more inventory. It's something you would have liked to have had in the beginning. But, you know, you're not a Lowe's, Home Depot. You're not a, a public company that says go, uh, that, that will go out and raise money in order to start a business. I had to operate it properly. I had to understand the numbers. It's like I always told my, uh, my daughters, the magic's in the numbers. Got to know numbers. I'm not talking trigonometry and all this other stuff. I'm talking about basic business math, you know, knowing what a margin is, knowing what a markup is, knowing, uh, you know, a return on your investment a little bit. And, and then once you know that, you know, you can start to apply that in different ways. Me, I had to experiment all the way and figure it out. And, you know, I made mistakes, but I made m- more right moves than bad moves. So the scorecard was I ended up winning. So it was an experience. Would I want to go back through it again? I would like to go back through it a different way than the way I did it, because it was really a lot of work and a lot of time. But people normally don't. You you really, a business is a great way to get ahead uh, and jumpstart everything, but you can still do it just working at a job. You just got to spend less than you make and realize that this world is, they all want to take your money. Everybody does. And they don't want to tell you why, because they know what they're going to do with it. They're going to make you a slave to them, a slave to the lender, a slave to the mortgage holder. And that's one thing I don't want my own kids, my grandkids doing. I got grandkids, six grandkids who basically have brokerage accounts. Why? Well, I could have put them in a 529 or this or that, but I want them to learn what this is about a little bit to understand that nothing's given to you. Understand that, you know, there is magic in those numbers because they could go back five or 10 years and look at where they were, where they are today and start to understand that when you come out of college, you know, you got a plan. You're not like me kind of waffling around out there trying to figure out what I want and what I want to do. But getting back to what we were saying about, you know, spraying um, undercoating on cars and all that, that's a great way to show somebody they need to do something, learn something. And uh, I guess Rich Dad, Poor Dad was like that. The Rich Dad put, uh, the what was it, his son or a friend's son in the worst job in a hardware store he could have done. And he realized he didn't want this job after a while. But it motivated him. And I see a lot of people on your show the same way. They're motivated by they want to get out of debt. They want to be successful. They want to have freedom, do what they want. God bless them. That's what it's all about. That's America's dream right there. What was your goal when you started out? You know, specifically, I didn't have, per se, a goal, except for the fact that I knew I wanted to work for myself. I didn't want to work for other people. And I could think back with when I was 14 years old, getting on a school bus, thinking, I got to work for myself. I do not want to work for somebody else. And that kind of, I was never, I never followed. I always felt that if the people were going one direction, you probably should be going the opposite. Okay. That's pretty wise. (laughs) and, and, And you know what? That was me. 
I was always probably considered, uh, I don't know, what's wrong with that guy out there? You know, he kind of hangs to himself. Well, that was because I was thinking about this and I was thinking about that. I was collaborating in my own mind as to what am I going to do and how am I going to, how am I going to do it? I told the story one time of, you ever see the movie City, City Slicker with um, Billy Crystal, Curly? I haven't seen that one. Uh, it's a good movie, but they're out and the, 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 Billy Crystal has this very, you know, what's the meaning of life was his question. And they're riding on a horse and uh, Curly, this old man, all wrinkled up and everything else. And he says, Curly, what's the meaning of life? And he says, uh, takes a breath and he looks over at Billy Crystal on the other horse. And he says, holds up his finger. He says, one thing. He says, well, what's the one thing? And he says, I don't know what your one thing is. All I know is what mine is. And I thought about that for a minute. It's so true. What is your one thing? What is the thing that motivates you? And what motivates me to, is to be able to provide for my family, to be able to take care of them. If there's an emergency, if somebody gets sick, I'm kind of like that. I hate to say it, the papa who has to take care of everybody just in case. It's not the money. The money will come just because of the way I have things set up. So that's kind of my life, kind of my story right there. So you learned some very valuable lessons in your 20s. And it sounds like you've been marinating for a long time on what is that one thing going to be? You knew you didn't want to work for somebody else. How did you go about teaching your kids some of the lessons you learned in a very physical way? You know, obviously, I don't want my kids to be, oh, there's a couple of things. I don't want my kids, number one, to have to work uh, morning, noon, and night to serve somebody else's needs. It doesn't have to be that way. They have to have some basic knowledge about, uh, you know, things of life and money and how you handle it. It's never taught in school. It's never taught at home. Uh, people are basically, you know, lost when it comes to knowing what's going on around them with the, with the, the markets, with government, with a lot of different issues out there. I wanted to give them an insight as to, you know, where they could be and what they could be. And I think basically uh, that was my job as their father in order to, um, you know, send them out in the world and feel at least a little bit comfortable that they're not going to crash and burn. So uh, even though they don't like me talking about certain things all the time, I still have to speak up and tell them because they're at the age where they know everything, even though they don't realize they don't know much of anything. And uh, but again, <laughs> it's my job to do that. I mean, I'm sure you're going to run into this. Trust me, you will. There's no doubt about it. You want nothing but the best for your family. And uh, how are you going to approach that? What's the one thing? How? And that's kind of complicated. It's touchy. I mean, they don't like to be spoken to or taught, told that you really don't understand. Neither did I. I get it. So I don't know. I, it, you know, it's it, it, it's coming. It just takes time. It really does. You set up a brokerage account for your grandkids, or brokerage accounts for your grandkids. Mm -hmm. Did you set up any sort of accounts for your own children? Not at this time. Um, you know, I do help them when they need help. Obviously, someday they're going to inherit some money. Not quite exactly sure what that is, um, and how to handle that. I went through the traditional, you know, living trust, all that type of stuff, which I guess most people should do. Uh, if you go way back, yes, I did try with with one of the daughters 
I opened up a Roth for her. We still have that. Uh, I was hoping that she would be putting money into it somewhat, but she's always negligent at times doing this. And you know as well as I do, anybody in this world, if you got a job, do a Roth. Just put something in it and start it when you're a paper boy. Okay, I don't care. As young as you can. And then, you you, you know, you're, you're talking to with. one. <laughs> yeah. Chase was a paper boy at 14. Well, I was too. I hate to say that, but I really was. You know, but, you know, it's lessons you learn, you know. Put money into these things. Don't be dumb about it. But the question is, how do you get people motivated to understand this stuff? I ran a, I ran, I ran a car, uh, into this with uh, when I got my securities license. And I figured, you know, let me talk to a couple people. Just see where the, what their thought process is. And the people I talked to, I remember one distinctly. And I said, I want you to read something in this book. It was, it was only like 20 pages. And when I come back next week, let's talk about it. I came back next week and um, he's sitting there. And as soon as I walked in, he says, hey, I couldn't read that. I, I turned the page and I literally fell asleep. And I told him, I said, you know, this was a golf digest book. You would have read it from the front to the back six times. Don't give me this stuff that you can't read this. You just don't want to read it. <laughs> and I, I realized at like that time, there's that type of people out there that, you know what, for better or for worse, uh, this is just the way they are. But once you break away from this mentality and you start to see that there is this opportunity out there in this great country of ours to, to excel and do better than you ever thought. I never thought I'd be where I'm at right now, but it was just working a simple plan, putting money aside, letting it grow, letting it compound. And here we are talking to you today. So I think that we just have to, we have a mission in life to share with the younger people of this country what they could possibly do. And they're not getting it in no way, shape or form. They really are not. They're taught you need to spend. You deserve it. Keep up with the Joneses. You've heard it all. I'm sure every one of your listeners have heard it all. And that's why they turn from their evil ways and they say, I'm getting rid of this. I don't need that car and I don't need that. And that's good for a while. And then you can live like you've never lived before. Who says that word? Dave Ramsey or something like that? You know, I've listened to all these guys. Mike, I want to I touch on that a little bit. So as you started these businesses and, and little by little, they started growing. You started making a little bit more money. Did uh -huh. your lifestyle increase at all along the way? Everything I did probably increased a little bit as we went, but it went with this one thing in mind. I didn't want depreciation depreciating assets. I want to make sure it counted. A friend of mine said he's never forgotten the value of a $20 bill. And it always comes in the back of my mind that if you're going to spend money on something, is it going to be something that tomorrow is going to be worthless or 10 years from now might be worth a lot more money? You buy a house, it's worth more money, more than likely. You buy a car, now you're going down the tubes. And uh, yeah, over time, I have. Even right now, though, I don't think I'm a big spender. I, I, I don't feel as though uh, money has overly changed me all that much. You can only spend so much uh, of, of, of what you bring in. Then you start taking care of people. You start giving to your local church. You, um, you're more generous with uh, the girl at the sandwich factory. You can't stand working there. She's working for college dollars, and, you know, you give her a two, $300 tip. 
and then you sit back and you out in the car and watch her open it up. And, you know, that that's really cool stuff. It really is. But no, I don't think I've changed much. We've got a bigger house and a nicer house. Yeah. But in my mind, that's I'm not going to lose a penny here. This house is already worth more than I spent paid for it a couple years ago. Even the, even the other house we got is worth a lot more. So I don't see that as being a problem of, you know, living the high life. Hey, I've already flown corporate jets. I've been ushered around in limousines, uh, but I wasn't paying for it, just as a note. <laughs> to, to be clear. It was, it was very nice to let anybody kid you, but uh, would I pay for the limousine? No, nah, not do an Uber. Would I uh, charter a jet? Now nah, flying that darn airliner, you know what I mean? So there are some perks of having more money, but it's not uh, not what most people think. Let's put it that way. At this point, you glean a lot of joy from uplifting others, which is great. You mentioned earlier in the show that you wish that you wanted to do all the things that you wanted to do when you were younger. Do you wish that you would have spent more along the way on some of those experiences or are you happy with how that played out? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I think I would have to agree with you. I wish I probably spent more along the way. Now, me and my wife have been talking that next year something came up about a trip to Jerusalem. And I said, we're doing it. I've always wanted to go there. Uh, come hell or high water, I'm going there, okay? And it just came up at the church we go to, and I thought to myself, that's one trip that I don't want to put on the back burner because every time we seem to go do something, it's, I don't think either one of us really care about the trip a lot. If we could be magically whisked off over there and we're there, that'd be one thing. But both of us are kind of the same. We just, it doesn't mean a ton to us. And in this day and age where it's all about the experience, I hear everybody talking about, there must be something wrong with me because quite frankly, I don't really care about the experience all that much. I really don't. And so there, I probably need some type of one of your doctors on the show to talk to me about this, but it really doesn't do much for me. Maybe I am pretty square. What do I know? Sounds like my dad. I don't think dad. you're square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Granted, I took him to, I took him to uh, Pinehurst. He loves golf. So I took him to Pinehurst. And, man, Southern wants, Pines? No, Pinehurst in North Carolina Pinehurst. to golf. And, yeah. And, it's blowing his mind. He won't stop talking about it. I'm like, see, some of these experiences you might actually like. You just didn't know they existed. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yes, I gotcha. Granted, I didn't know what it was really like either. I was just like, hey, this is one of the, the best meccas of golf. So I uh, might as well book it for his 60th birthday and go have a good weekend together. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hear it's really nice. I used to fly into that area a lot. But I never, I never saw the golf course. You'd land, take back off. That was about it. Yeah. So no, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable out there. Well, hey, let's uh, wrap up with some rapid fire questions, Mike. What already, is the uh, most expensive pair of shoes that you purchased? Uh, maybe one hundred and sixty dollars. What about the uh, most expensive meal out? Well, I can remember one distinctly, which was about six hundred dollars. Was that to celebrate the uh, anniversary or celebrate the sale of the company or which one? No, it was uh, a wife, two daughters, and me and her boyfriends. And uh, it just got out of control a little bit, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> okay. When they, know hey, dad's there, when they know dad's there, you know, they, it's like free pickings, okay? 
Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Well, six hundred dollars—that's out of control. I don't think that's too bad. Uh, no, what about the most bad. expensive car? I bought a, a seventy-five thousand uh, dollar Genesis, and okay. uh, I, I love it. What about the uh, most expensive trip or experience, or is it going to be the one coming up for Jerusalem? Well, I don't know what Jerusalem's going to cost. I really don't care. You got to remember that I've been to a lot of places when I was younger, but it was flying a jet, landing, hopping out, and there I was. The airplane didn't leave until I left. So the most expensive, well, you know what? I always loved Hawaii. Flew out there, and uh, that's a great trip I'd like to do over again one of these days. Okay. What's a key lesson that you learned from childhood? I think... The lesson I've learned is that you could pretty much do in this country whatever you want to do. I mean, there's a lot provided, especially today, from an educational standpoint where you could learn things that was so hard to learn in the past. You got YouTube. I mean, I mean, it's fantastic. You got podcasts for all kinds of things. You could do flight simulators. You could... You could do online classes and get your master's. I, I think the kids today don't realize how good they really do have it, what they have at their fingertips with all this computerization and everything. I mean, look at us. We're talking on, looking at each other. I mean, what more do you want? I, I don't know what a person really wants. I mean, I'm, if you're happy and content, man, you're, you're 99% there. Okay. What's the most fun that you've had with money? <laughs> I, uh, with money. You know what? I think it's when you go on a vacation, you can pick up the tab. People eat meals, you pay for the meals. Um, you know, just helping them with a need a deposit on a house. You know, I don't want to spoil them, but I want to help them, help them with cars. You know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of cars for these girls. Okay. It's been, you know, I really have good luck for you guys. Okay. But, uh, college. Uh, you know, I do love the fact that I can help. That's, that's such a gratifying position to be in where, you know, they got a problem, you could help them. You know, it's, uh, they're tight on cash, you can help them. You, uh, college, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it for you. Those are all good things. I mean, that's, that's where I hang my hat on, taking care of my girls and my wife and, you know, just knowing that, yeah, we don't all have, you, you don't know what tomorrow holds. So enjoy it today. That's kind of, I think, what we're doing. Sure. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to earn money? Um, craziest thing, earn money. Well, I was a paper boy like you were. That wasn't crazy, I guess. I guess I, I did straightforward, you know, we used to paint cars. That was one of my businesses, but it was didn't pan out. We figured, me and a friend of mine, we'd be getting a car painting business. And after we painted this one van with about 300 coats of paint on it to get it to look halfway decent, oh, it was terrible. Garage was the wrong color after we got done. Uh, and we basically gave him the car and he didn't pay anything for it, okay? Fortunately, it was a Monsignor, and it was one of those vans for the church. And it's probably still around today with the amount of paint that was on that car when we were done. <laughs> but we were just, we were just young kids. That was a crazy thing. I don't know why that came to my mind, but um, my lungs are probably still scarred from all the paint that we sucked down. Oh, jeez. I know. It's crazy. That's a good story. What's a uh, closely held belief that you once had that you recently changed your mind on? 
Well, that's a good question. Let me think about this for a second. Um, closely held belief that I once held that I've changed my mind on. You know what? I don't know if I got a good answer for that right off the top of my head. I really, I don't think I got a good answer for that. I really don't. No worries. What is your final piece of advice to somebody who's just starting out? I think they need to start and believe in themselves. I think they have to be disciplined. Discipline's a word that you don't hear of too often anymore in people. If you don't have a focus and a, a game plan and the and then be disciplined to carry through on that game plan, you got to have something to shoot at in life. I see too many people that are just wandering aimlessly out there. And uh, start. Just get started on something. It doesn't have to be my path, but get started on something. And, you know, stop procrastinating. I used to procrastinate years ago. And it's one of the biggest killers of uh, your future that I could think of. The tools are at hand right now. You can pretty much do whatever you want to do. If you want to be a plumber, you could be a plumber and make great money. You want to be a truck driver, you could do it. Get started. That's what I'd tell them. And you don't, I don't particularly think that you need a huge college education, spend two, three hundred thousand dollars to get this education. Maybe you do if you're going to be a doctor or something like that. But I think you could be very successful, reasonable job, doing reasonable things. And at the end of the day, I think you could end up with easily one of your interviewees, okay? Uh, which as a master, three, four, five million dollars. It seemed like a big deal at one time. But as you look back over time, like I could, like I'm doing right now, it wasn't as big as I thought it was. Not that I was really trying, it just kind of morphed. And I hear that many times on your show too, how things morph and people don't realize that, wow, that grew a little more than I thought. Just because they did it in the beginning, they started. That would be my advice. Get started. Don't listen awesome. to people. That's it. Awesome. That's Mike with a net worth of 13 plus million dollars. Thanks for coming to the show today. Thank you much. Nice meeting you, Stacey. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire. Millionaire.